Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. Today I am joined by Dr. Becca Mound from Dermatology for Animals in New Mexico. Dr. Mound and I went through residency around the same time together and sat boards together and I had a really great conversation today with her. One thing she wanted to cover was just really thinking about the quality of life of our owners and our patients. Um, Dermatology can be frustrating and chronic and expensive. So really thinking about the owner and everything they're going through emotionally, financially to care for these patients. It's an important conversation and one that I'm so happy to share with you guys today. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have Dr. Dr. Becca Mount um, joining me. She works for Dermatology for Animals in New Mexico. Um, we have known each other since we did our residencies. You were a year ahead of me, but we did our residencies around the same time and got to bond over fun things like boards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Only the best things. Only the best things. I remember when I walked out of boards, I'm like, that should be the last test I've ever taken that actually means something my entire life. Yeah. Um, but that, I right. have to... I have to thank you so much for joining me on your day off and being willing to come chat about DERM. And I think today is actually a really important topic that you wanted to talk about. Um, You know, we get really into the medical stuff and the disease process and the treatment and that's all great. But I mean, I feel like half of what we do because we deal with chronic diseases is, you know, we're kind of like half therapist, half doctor, half best friend you know, half spouse, that's a lot of house, quarters of all those things. Um, but it's really about recognizing, sometimes people think, oh, it's just derm, no big deal, it's not an emergent, it's not this, but really recognizing that it actually affects quality of life for the pet and for the owners. Um, you know, there's several studies looking at that, kind of the quality of life and caregiver burden. Um, so I actually think it's a really great, important topic that you wanted to talk about. So I'm glad that we get to jump into that today because medicine's great, but we have to get people to do the things we want them to do. And I think part of that is getting them to relate to us. So if we think about dermatologic disease in a different way, ways it can affect a pet's quality of life, what are those different ways? And let's start with the pet, but then also recognize there's a lot of ways the owner is going to be affected as well. Yeah. So that's a a great kind of starting point. So When I was um, in my residency, I actually had my own skin allergy issue as a contact dermatitis, and it took a really long time to figure out what it was, and I was miserable and itchy, and my skin was red, and I had rashes, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night scratching, and it it hit me. That's what my clients and my patients are going through constantly. These animals are miserable, and I was grumpy. I wasn't sleeping well, so I was tired. I was irritable. I was like uncomfortable in my own skin, literally. And so eventually they found out I had a sunscreen allergy. And as a good dermatologist, I was constantly putting sunscreen on. And so (laughs) it was an awkward moment. But once we figured that out, and I got to the end of it and had that relief and, you know, could rest, rest well, I wasn't scratching constantly, 
I was a much happier human. So I really try and relate to my clients that empathy of how I was feeling just miserable with raw skin, inflamed, scratching all the time. Um, so they can't express that, but I have to imagine they feel the same way. Yeah, I, I think like the itch too and something you know a lot about, especially where I can think about this and relating to it is like ear pain. So like you've done some you know, research looking kind of at that and we think about allergies and itch and I agree like I've had contact dermatitis or people had poison ivy or whatever that is. It's uncomfortable, like you're, you're scratching it when you know you shouldn't be. And then we think about pets who don't even realize like what's going on. Like I have a skin issue. Um, but ears, like they're painful and coming from my own experience with my son having recurrent ear infections and we ended up having to do, you know, tubes in his ears and watching him like spike fevers, be grumpy, be uncomfortable. Like I think if you can relate it to what we go through as people in those situations then you can identify with the pet more that they're going through that and they don't even know, like I have an ear infection, I have allergies, like they just think. I'm irritated. And what even like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, even those pets where you, they are lose, they're scratching so much that they're losing weight or the owners think they're super lethargic or they come back, they're like, my dog has so much energy or feels so great or wants to play again. And that's, that's such a good feeling when that happens, like that improvement in, in those little quality of life things too. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people don't, like they just think the itch stopped. But I had one just the other day where um, it was an it was an ear case. But they came in, they're like they have like a twelve year old dog, and they're like he's acting like he's five. Like we just didn't even expect that because we just thought we don't want him to be painful. But it was actually affecting like his attitude and how he felt. What do you think? Like so looking from the owner's perspective, of say they have an itchy pet or a dog or a cat with an ear infection. Um, you know, what are the different ways you think that the derm disease affects them emotionally? I think that because it's such a visual disease, unlike things like chronic diseases like cardiac disease or kidney disease, they can't see when things aren't getting better or things are getting worse in the face of treatment. And so I think it's very emotional because it's, they're looking at it every day. Um, and I get a lot of panicked phone calls from owners that are freaked out that they can't get in like right away when they need to see us. Um, I get people that are super frustrated because it's been a long, long road to work them up and they're not getting relief and nothing seems to work. And then the owners that are embarrassed, they think that people don't think they don't take care of their animals because of the way they look. And so I think there's a whole range of emotions, not just, you know, we already kind of briefly touched on it, you know, not sleeping, the expense of medicating, the chronic disease things. And I know you've been kind of looking into all that caretaker burden. So I'm sure you have a lot to add on that. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, a lot of times I think we do think of the pet and that's why we went into medicine to help them. Um, but inevitably the owners and the people, like they're the ones doing the treatments, they're the ones paying for the medications, they're the ones presenting the pet. So I do like the caregiver burden thing, I think is really interesting in the fact that we have scientific studies that really show, you know, quality of life improvements or how much they're affected by having germ disease. People often want to brush it off thinking, well, you know, 99.9999% of the time, they're not going to die from their derm disease, but it's still like a constant thing. Like unless they come in with scabies or dermatophyte, which even some dermatophytes are super difficult to get under control, like we're not going to really cure them. So then all of a sudden, you know, versus something like surgery where it might be, so like my previous dog, she, you know, tore a cruciate. We did a TPLO. It was expensive. 
It was, uh, you know, hard six weeks resting her. But then once she recovered, she was done and she was fine. Whereas when we were dealing with allergies and chronic things, there's really not an end point. And I think that that's, that's really hard for owners. And that's where we have to be really upfront with them from the get-go to set their expectations. I feel like a lot of emotions that you describe, frustration, embarrassment, um, you know, and that can be embarrassment from lots of things, aesthetics. So yeah, they have no hair. I had that happen with a cat with a big granuloma on its face recently where she's just really ashamed that they looked like that. Um, embarrassment that maybe they financially can't do everything. So they can't necessarily allergy test and treat and do infections and topicals. Um, and then just embarrassment because a lot of times we have a pet because we want everyone to come over and see our pet and how wonderful they are. And if every 10 seconds they're stopping to scratch and itch, like that's, that's taking part of the joy away of having, having a pet. So I think there are a lot of things that really feed into that. And what I think is really interesting is there's, there's studies that show we know quality of life is affected if a pet has germ disease. It's definitely not as, as much as like a normal dog, a normal quality of life. But there's studies that actually show if you manage that skin disease, that allergy, that a managed allergy dog can have the same quality of life rating or the same caregiver burden rating, which we hope is really low, as a normal dog. So you can essentially make these pets, you know, normal or at least have a normal quality of life, even though there might be spikes of, oh, oh we, you know, it's summer, now we're itchy. Like we can actually make them have a normal quality of life. It doesn't mean that they're not on anything. And that's what I find really interesting is we just have to relate to the owner and empathize with them. And I think a lot of that starts with having their expectations set from the get-go. So I was told like that primary vet's like first year infection, first infection, first like itchy summer. Like even if you're not going to dive into referring them to us or a huge workup, like we need to set their expectation. Like this isn't just going to never happen again, or, you know, this could progress and get worse because I think that saves a lot of frustration versus the quick, here's your course of antibiotics, hope you get better. Like just setting the expectation that we have a chronic disease. We'll manage it. We'll figure out what works for you. And then I think that saves a lot of their frustration in the long run. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things when they come in and they're frustrated is they didn't realize there was more to the story than just an ear infection. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, even it doesn't have, I understand like general practitioners, like their appointments are fast. They can't like spend an hour talking about allergies like maybe we would. But you can put in the record, like, you know, monitor for future flaring, concern there's an underlying allergy, like next step would be a diet trial, like just quick things that you can always go back and point out in the record, like, oh yeah, that's right. She did mention, like, there's probably a reason you're keeping an ear infection every summer. Um, so those are the things that ultimately, like, I think can be really helpful. What do you think, like, overall owners get most frustrated about when they're dealing with years and years and years of allergies and then say all of a sudden they have a really resistant pseudomonas otitis or a methicillin resistant staph student or medias skin infection and then they get referred to derm like do you hear from those owners like that they're frustrated that they maybe should have seen you sooner do you ever experience that yeah i experience it quite a bit actually i think you probably do as well um, a lot of people don't even know that veterinary dermatologists exist, obviously, part of getting and the word out. Grandparents. I like to tell owners <laughs> that. 
because like my parents and grandparents didn't know it existed until I did it. So they're always like, oh, I didn't know. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, my family didn't know. So it's my like favorite interesting fact when you have to do like meet and greets, like what's your most interesting thing? And it's my job because it sounds made up until you need us. But I think that <laughs> um, when we get there them. and they get, you know, to us and they realize, you know, all we do is skin and ears all day. And so some of those subtle differences maybe between some of the allergy mimickers and allergies or, you know, cytology that we do constantly or the information and time we have to spend doing the diagnostics in our appointments and talking to the owners um, just gives us a little bit of a head start from where, you know, for general practitioners, they have 15 oh, minutes God. to get it done. So it's, I, I couldn't imagine trying to, to say everything I want to say in 15 minutes. I can't ever shut up. So um, I think that a lot of owners are frustrated because, like I said before, they didn't know there was more to the story. They've been battling ear infections and they've been reactively treating instead of proactively managing the allergy. Whereas, you know, could we have had a better quality of life or better control sooner before chronic changes happen and resistance develops and things like that. Um, that's where I see the most frustration is why didn't they get here sooner? So. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. And I think sometimes, and I've mentioned this before in a different episode of the podcast. Um, sometimes I'll kind of ask uh, my lecturer or whatever, when do you feel like you should refer him to Durham? I've actually had a general practitioner call me for consult and they had just a super proactive owner that like, you know, they had two infections, they wanted to allergy test. And she's like, I just don't feel like it's bad enough to send to you. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I would love to have a break in my day where it's not medicinal resistant staff or like uh, my favorites are the ones that walk in the door and they're like, well, I'm doing great on Apoquil, but you know, they're two and a half and I just want to get ahead of it. And they, I don't even have to do the cytology, which I can almost find a reason to do cytology, but you know, they're doing so well that they really just want to think of the future. It's like, why? Yes, please. Like, yes. <laughs> send me those cases. Like those are, yes, I want to be preventative. I want to not, you know, we have a better success rate of allergy testing and desensitizing when we're doing these things more when they're like two, three, four years of age versus not that you can't because you can have successful cases when they're older, but versus like 11 and it's been going on since they were three. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I think is a lot of times things have been done, but maybe there's been a concurrent infection. So it didn't respond well to apical or cytopoint or things that have been tried. And then you get the roadblock where owners aren't even willing to try some of these things again. And then you're getting backed into bigger gun drugs or things like that because they're frustrated because it hasn't worked previously. And, and maybe there's a reason. Yeah. All the time. I, you know, we definitely have ones where they come in and they just said, there's no, there's no way cytopoint and apical didn't work. I had that happen today. And then the cytology was just from the skin, like we're just covered in malassezia. It's like, well, actually, I don't know it might, it might work. I just don't know how long this has been there. No psychology had ever been done. So I was like, well, if there's been yeast the whole time, there's a good chance that those drugs might work wonderfully. And then they'll ask, well, why didn't my vet do a psychology? And, and like you said, it comes back to, this is all I do. Psychology is basically like, I do psychology in my sleep. Like it's basically <laughs> what I'm going to find a reason to do for all of them. But you have to explain the value of it too, because sometimes I think people get gun shy. Like, oh, it's just a slide. No one's going to want to pay X amount, whatever you charge for that. But if you can really tell them the value of it, like now 
same therapies might actually seem effective rather than, okay, we're only left with steroids. Um, or itch levels will go down dramatically. Or maybe we just need to add bathing more often into the protocol. Like, I know we're going to get a different subset of clients who see us, but I do feel like most people are pretty willing to do it if you can explain to them why you don't want to just throw antibiotics at it if you don't have to. I know you talk about it a lot. You can't just look at the crust and know whether it's bacteria, yeast, and so they may have been on 100 antibiotics, but if it's yeast, then they're still going to be struggling, and so... That was totally this case today. It was like cytokine doesn't work and we're on simple stuff and it's not working. And then it was just like, and like not even just like pause, like gobs of yeast on the entire body of like this young, like 10 month old springer. I was like, I don't think we know if cytopoint works yet or not because you've just been covered in yeast the whole time. So, you know, I don't think there's too many dermatologists that don't preach up and down the importance of cytology and how even that silly little slide, like, pretty much guides like everything that we do, like day in and day out. So if we start talking about, so we have a frustrated client, you know, they're hesitant to do much, they've already spent a lot of money. Um, what are some of the tactics you use knowing that sometimes I feel like our owners are almost going through those stages of grief, right? Like they're upset because their, their pet has a chronic disease they can't just cure. They're frustrated because it keeps coming back. And then, you know, maybe they're in denial. Like maybe sometimes all the owners who come in, they're like, well, what's the cure you have that my vet didn't have? Um, right. So they kind of go through, I'm like nothing. They kind of go through these stages of grief. How do you deal with that to onboard them to get them to buy into the plan you have for their pet? I think it just depends. Each owner is different for yeah. sure. Um, you know, the ones that come in kind of hot and they're frustrated and they're angry and they're like, nothing's work, nothing's going to work. Like, why am I here? I think a lot of it is breaking down and, and really educating them. And that's another benefit of our longer appointment times is kind of breaking it down. Like, talking about the different types of itch, like there's allergic itch and then there's itch from infection or there's, you know, subtle differences we haven't checked for, like parasites maybe haven't been looked at or you see a little bit of a change in scale and suddenly sebaceous is on your list. And so really, it's a little bit harder on curbside right now, but kind of yeah. walking them through that exam I found was really helpful showing them lesions um, and kind of explaining how they develop those lesions, what those lesions represent, and then really talking to them, you know, step by step, like we have infection because we have allergy, and then these are the types of allergies that we could have, and this is how we work through them, and kind of taking it, I, I tell people we often have to just step back and kind of start at the beginning again and take it layer by layer so that we can actually see what is doing what, because a lot of times they just get a bunch of things thrown at them, and they're over it. Um, I often say that people have topical fatigue, so they have seven ear washes and none of them work. And it's really just fine tuning and, and figuring out what each owner needs. Some don't want all that information and got to kind of back off and just give them a plan and stop the itch and then they're happy. And some really want to be involved and have that decision making and understand the path they're going down and why and, and what the future might look like. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think definitely Sometimes when we get asked, like, well, which, like, do you prefer cytopoint or apical? Which one do you start with? Which one, like, you know, do you always treat, like, a perinechia, topical or systemic? Like, during there's only so many things that we do. Like, there's only so many tests we have. There's only so many procedures we have. There's a lot of medications that 
you know, associated with zoning and on allergies, there's a lot of medications that we use over and over again in different ways. What I love about Derm, and I think a lot of us who specialize in it do, is every case that walks in could have the same presentation, same infection, but depending on that pet and what they'll let you do, depending on that owner and what they're willing to do, it's totally different. So like, I definitely tend to be an explainer. Obviously don't have a problem talking, like that's not an issue for me. So I definitely sometimes can get, like if I have a client who's in and they're focused and they're like, like they're hanging on every word, um, like I could talk for hours and sometimes I have to scale that back. You have to be able to read your client a little bit because if they come in super hot and super frustrated and maybe they are one of those ones that over communication is going to be too much for them. You have to start reading them. So like if, if all of a sudden they're like, well, I don't quite get it or I'm lost or sometimes you have owners who come in and they are willing to diet trial, start a flea control, start an antipyritic, treat the infection, they will bathe it every day. Like they are in, they're so happy that someone's finally really taking hold of it. Others, like you said, it's like, okay, like we just need to treat the infection for three weeks. Like we, you know, we, we will know that maybe food change is next on our list. Like you really have to tailor it to them. And when owners come in super hot and frustrated, um, I acknowledge it, you know, not in a way of like, oh yeah, how, like, how could the vet do that? Cause usually it's nothing the vet's done wrong. It's like, yeah, I get it. Allergies are super frustrating. They're expensive. They're frustrating. They're emotional. I can't cure your pet. We can figure out what works for you. There's a good chance that even if I have them well controlled, we're going to probably have a flare. Like, yeah, just like people, allergies, the summer could be rough and maybe we need to address that then. But let's try to see if we can get on a, you know, a plan that you feel good about and comfortable with. It's kind of like I don't push a diet trial for every single person who walks in the door. Because if, like, if, if I don't really know that food's a huge issue and they're just tired of it, even if they haven't done a trial I think's good enough, um, maybe we address other things first and then we'll kind of talk about food in like four months if there's still some issues there. So I think you're right. I think you really have to kind of learn to read the client a little bit because some don't want to talk much. Like some want to talk to you for like 10 minutes and be done. Some come in, they're like, I trust whatever you say, do whatever you want. That's the dream. Um, but you know, some really have to understand every little portion of it. Some don't care if they understand, they just want you to fix the problem. All right, sorry, it's her witching hour. She usually walks at this time. Literally, like when I did Melissa's, um, all of a sudden, Jeff brought Mackenzie home and she like busted through the door and started playing and took the tunnel out of the closet and we were at the end so it's like whatever i'll like, crap it out we can totally edit that out um okay so we kind of talked about like going in depth versus step by step so what like kind of body language or like what frustrations do you kind of listen to if you kind of start getting the indication that maybe this is a person we need to back off and not necessarily go so detailed with our explanation. Yeah, so like you, I am an explainer. <laughs> I yeah. love to talk. And so um, I find that, you know, owners that start kind of disconnecting and, you know, staring off into space or playing with their dog or their body, they'll turn their body kind of away from you when you're talking. 
or start maybe touching their phone or playing with things. And, you know, then I'm like, okay, they're not paying attention or they're not interested. And then I'll yeah. kind of check in and be like, what questions do you have? What are your thoughts on this? Trying to get them to re-engage. And some people, like you said, will, you know, be like, I just want you to tell me what to do, whatever plan you want to do, let's do it. And some people will be like, well, I don't like the side effect of that drug you talked about. So I want another option. So it really is tailoring it to people. And sometimes people aren't open initially. And so you got to be able to read if, you know, you can tell if someone's upset or angry or displeased with something you're saying and kind of come back. Again, another one of our challenges right now on curbside is not having that interaction, but you can tell like inflections and voices, you know, sometimes I'll just go quiet on you and stop like responding. And so checking back in and I try and ask, you know, how are we feeling about this? What are your thoughts? Does that make sense? You know, kind of bring them back to you. I think that's it. I, I think you just nailed it especially now in curbside where we can't, like you said, I often feel like when I start going too far up and I'm losing people when they're in, when they used to be in the clinics, at least I get like the deer in the headlight look. Like I kind of get this like wide eyed, like, uh, cause I use the whiteboard to like, you know, try to follow so they don't get so lost. Like here's our short term plan. Here's our long term plan. Here's infection control. And then like, you'll turn to like, look at them and they're just like glazed over. I'm like, oh, okay, let's uh, take a step back. So I think everything you just said with the check-in. So usually it's like, explain, I'm gonna explain these three things. After you explain the first one, like here's our short-term symptomatic options. Do you follow that? Do you think you have a preference? Do you have questions? Like, is that too much? Sometimes if I make it through the end of like my allergy spiel and I thought we were doing okay, but I can tell I kind of lost them. I always tell owners like, I understand it's a lot. Here's the cliff notes version. And then I just like say, we're going to, we're going to start antibiotics. We're going to bathe. And then we're going to also um, do that for the infection. And then we're going to stop the itch with Apoquil while we start the food. Like just the end, like that's, that's the cliff notes versions. And then sometimes people can be like, okay, like I can gather that. And then all the other little things you said will probably come and go like as I go home and think about it. I also think that's where home care instructions are super important. Um, because when you go into the clinic, you're, you feel like you understand you're in it, but then you go home and life hits you. And three days later, you have no idea why you're getting four pills. So I do think home cares are really helpful to help with owner's frustrations and just to have them on on board and also just making sure they know they can get a hold of you like it's okay if you don't understand something three days later like call like you can chat with my technician they can shoot a message to me um i know it's hard right now with all the phone calls we're getting but that's where i'm really open to owners like you know getting a hold of us through like emailing the clinic calling like writing down their questions before they come to the recheck exam i think can all be things that are really helpful I think in dermatology, you kind of touched on it is written instructions are super important, but follow up, like checking in with them, even long term, there's a lot of hand holding initially just because they are going home often with so many medications to treat infection, to, you know, treat ears, to bathe, to do all these things, and it's overwhelming. And so I tell people eventually it'll be streamlined and that's our goal, but it's very heavy upfront with treatment often. And so making sure they're following through and doing that. And I always like to end with 
what questions do you have kind of yeah. saying, you know, it's a lot of information and I know you have questions to kind of open it for them. So. I, I love that. I think it's super important. Um, and ultimately when we think of caregiver burden or quality of life, like we often think of, okay, the burden of having an itchy pet, the burden of my quality of life's affected because I'm not sleeping because of itchy. But part of that burden and quality of life is also the amount of work you have to do to keep them controlled. So it's not just, oh, well, their quality of life is totally normal because they come in and their recheck's good. Well, if that's requiring them to bathe every day and, you know, give three pills every day and come to see you once a month for an injection um, or the finances associated with that, like that's all part of like the quality of life. And that's where it becomes a balance. Some owners, like they will, they will do it all. If that means their pet is doing great, no problem. But I think streamlining and thinking of it like that is really important. I think sometimes we forget the recheck is also, it's a check-in. Like, hey, we're doing great. Is this something you can do long-term? Is this something, like I had someone recently where we were bathing every day and that was going great. But then they had um, a family member become ill and all of a sudden they couldn't. Like it just wasn't going to work for them. But we could do wipes and we could treat, you know, with pills during that time and it was okay. So the recheck really is a check-in, not only to say, yay, you're doing great, or ooh, things aren't going so well, but it's also a check-in just to say like, how do you feel about this plan? Like, are you pretty happy with how it's going? Is this something you can sustain long-term? Do we need to back off during certain times? Do we need to re, you know, reformulate, like instead of in, coming in to see me once a month for Cytopoint, maybe you're gonna, well, I guess no one's traveling right now, really. But maybe you're gonna go somewhere like the pet sitter can give a pill better. Like you've gotta really like check in with owners and make them feel like you're part of the team, not that you're just a robot spitting out home care instructions. Sometimes I'm like, I couldn't do half the things I asked my clients to do just with work and schedules and things like that. And I'm like, could you medicate every eight hours? Probably not. Like I try and think, what could I actually do and, and try and give people options based on that too. I totally agree. And I think it's great that you say that because I think it gives people like, we can talk about burden, but like guilt, like guilt that maybe they can't spend thousands of dollars, you know, to do everything. Guilt that their schedule doesn't allow the ultimate plan you would like you know, I currently like our new puppy, like I know I need to food trial because she's already itchy. And then I look at my two toddlers and I'm like, can I do this? Like, is, can I, are we going to do this? Like, so like I, and I tell owners that, like, I'm like, I get it. Like I used to miss, I miss food control all the time because like yeah. COVID, what day, of the, what day of the month are we in? I don't know. Like, is it the first, which is really bad, but um that's open the flea medication <laughs> there you go i just reminded you <laughs> thank uh, you but that's real life and i think like if we can humanize it like not like oh my gosh how could you not do that but it's like no let's find the plan that works for you i think a lot of that guilt and that embarrassment we talked about quality of life that's all part of it that's another big thing i do is try and just ask owners like what is your goal because sometimes i get stuck in you know, my love of science and medicine, and I know how to fix this. And this is the gold standard and exactly like step-by-step step how we need to do it. And sometimes they're just like, I just need him to stop itching or not smell for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's our only goal. That seems, you know, then we're going to direct things a little bit differently. Like sometimes it's using steroids because they can't afford anything else, but they just want quality of life and they know the risks. And so you got to 
understand what they want out of it because you can address it with all the knowledge in the world but if you don't address their like one thing they came there for they're going to be disappointed so i think that is so important and i'm really glad you brought it up um every client's goals are different you're absolutely right like some of them come in and their goal is i don't want to be on drugs like i really want to try not be on drugs kind of hard with allergies, but that's where I'm like, well, then you definitely need us to allergy test your pet. Like if you want any chance of that happening, like we need to allergy test your pet. Um, or you're right, like if they come in and they're 12 or, you know, finances are an issue and they're like, I just want the last couple of years, I want them to be comfortable and I have financial concerns. There is nothing wrong with those patients. Like we, we go over the side effects of steroids and say we get to low spectrum dose. Like sometimes that is what we need. Um, you know, some people, their primary concern is treat the infection, but they hate antibiotics and don't want it. And they will bleach and they will topical and they will do whatever it takes. Some people say, I don't have the infection gone, but I'm not bathing at all. So I think that's really important. And that's something on our kind of intake form is like, what's your chief complaint? What's your like biggest concern? And what are your goals that you're trying to accomplish? I actually love that you brought that up because I think that's one of the most important things. And that goes back to the fact that Derm is not cookie cutter. Like it's really dependent on that client, their lifestyle, their ability, the owner or the patient's uh, willingness, what they can do, finances. I mean, it all ties in. And I've had owners where I say they shouldn't allergy test. I know it's like, like, ooh, gasp, like, because I want everyone to allergy test. But some of them, like, they're really strapped for finances. And, you know, I'm like, maybe that's just not the best option for you now, because the reality is with how bad your pet's allergies are, like, I think immunotherapy is wonderful, but I'm not sure you'll only be on immunotherapy in a year. Like, maybe for you, like, we really need to put the finances for symptomatic care, and if it falls into the cards eventually, great, but that's where it comes to really reading the client and doing what's best for that patient. I think all of us would love to allergy test um, you know, and bathe every single patient that walks in the door, but it's all about that client and, and that patient and what really is the best plan for them. And I feel like a lot of clients have no idea what allergy testing really looks like because a lot of them come in and they're like, I want an allergy test. And then you talk to them about, you know, we're going to test them and then we're going to start them. And it's going to require, you know, either drops daily or shots frequently. And you're not really going to see any benefit for four to six months, maybe even a year. And yeah. you may be on shots in combination with things. And, and once they get all that information, they're like, maybe we don't want to do that. So yeah, it's educating. I mean, there isn't a perfect treatment and you know, we all want that magic bullet to come out in germ, but it's not here. So. Yeah. I mean, to think about like from where we started though, like, so when we started our residencies, there was no, I mean, Apical was like the research and people heard about it, but wasn't like commercially released. There was no cytopoint. There was no isoxazolines for sleep control. So to think about how much the quality of life really has improved for our patients, even in the short time you and I have been doing DERM is pretty awesome. Yeah. But still no magic. Like someone today was like, well, what's the biggest side effect from like cytopoint, you know? for the most part, like it's got a super safety, high safety profile. And I was like, really the biggest concern is they don't respond. Like yeah. the expense, you, you pay for something that they don't respond. Like in general, minimal injection site reaction. But the biggest thing is that they don't respond. Like we have all these therapies that really make the quality of life better, but it's getting comfortable moving those chest pieces when you need to 
and not also I feel like sometimes um, veterinarians want to be like well this is the plan the end but sometimes it's like we were doing great and now we got this wicked really swollen ear infection well maybe we need to take a month on steroids to calm that down then we'll come back for symptomatic treatment or you know we were doing great on this therapy but then our lifestyle changed so like that's where you really like every recheck is a check-in to yeah. say like where are we today not like what's worked in the last couple of years that's important but like what do we need to change today that can really maximize our success for the next month or six months or a year um so i've just loved talking to you it's like obvious that you're really passionate about really thinking of the client which i think is so important like in veterinary medicine in general when you're thinking of touching on this topic is there anything else that you had in mind or anything i missed as far as really talking about quality of life of the pet and owner when dealing with these chronic germ diseases no, I think it's just the biggest thing, especially with germ and chronic diseases, is flexibility. Um, yep. There's nothing magical that we necessarily do, and there's no one drug that I hold on as a secret that I know will work for every single animal. It's really just, there's trial and error, and I always say skin's a one-trick pony, so <laughs> there's not a lot of things it can do. And so being flexible to change plans, whether there's flares or whether finances change or dogs stop tolerating things, um, all those things play a role. So. I would say follow up, follow up, follow up with these people and, and keep them on board. But patience is the other thing on, on both sides because it's frustrating as a, as a dermatologist sometimes when you can't get it to work and owners are feeling that same frustration, if not more. So, yeah, that's it. I mean, I think psychology, follow, psychology, everything, follow up with everything, be flexible. I think this is like super good words to and our conversation about quality of life on. And again, just thank you so much for making the time to end this little podcast. Hopefully we can provide some encouragement to the other veterinarians out there that we deal with these frustrated clients too. We have cases that we really struggled to get under control. Like there is no perfect dermatologist out there that has a 100% success rate managing these cases. I mean, it is, it's a journey. As I tell clients, we're going through a journey together. Like, let's just see if we can do the best that we can do. Hope you like me because we're going to be together for a long time. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, if you don't like how much I talk, then maybe you want to go see the other doctor <laughs> I work with. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Mount, for being on today. I really appreciate it. I think that was a super important conversation. Again, when we have these clients come in that are frustrated and angry, they feel defeated. It's really important to listen to them, to think about what they're going through and really connect and relate with them because allergies, they're not going away. So even if they're frustrated, we know we still need to treat the patient and really help the owner understand what's going to make that case respond successfully. So I hope that that was extremely helpful having that conversation. Until next time, I hope you keep making Durham more fun than frustrating.